Hey, stranger. I'm Jenny. I'm Annie. And welcome to Kissing Strangers. From book adaptations to reality TV, we'll be covering today's depictions of romance in all of its forms. Together, we'll try to find out whether the truth sometimes really is stranger Stranger than than fiction. We are recording this on July 4th, but I don't know about you, Jenny. I am not in celebratory mood. (laughs) This is probably the most fun I'm having today. I'm so glad to get a free, I'm so glad to get a day off. I really could have gone for like two or three days off. You think America would love America enough to at least give us a couple more days off? Yeah, how about a week? You know, three days really just feels like two if we're going this far to lock in the church and church and state together i i suggest taking a week off for easter a week off for (laughs) i mean jesus rose okay so i want a whole week off i think it would be easier for me to honor jesus and to pray to think about godliness if i only worked three days a week yeah yes i agree i agree it it really give me that time to think about you know, not being an atheist. I was like, is she going to be capable of finishing the sentence? No, I'm not capable of finishing the sentence. The best I got is not being an atheist. Uh, All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back to our week two recap of Love Island UK series eight. I'm going to do a quick recap so we know where we are as of episode seven, the start of week two. If you might recall, we had recoupling. We currently have Tasha and Andrew as a couple, Luca and Gemma, Amber and Donnie, India and Akena, and we have a new couple, Davide and Ekin Sue. And then finally, left single, we have Paige and Afia. We get a little bit in the first episode of week two covering kind of where these couples are. And it seems like... Tasha and Andrew and Luca and Gemma are pretty happy. Amber and Dami, India and Akena, I'm not quite as sure where their relationships are progressing. And then finally, we have Davide and Ekinsu, who in all of my notes, I call them Dekinsu. (laughs) They're just having these really gross makeout sessions all over the place. It's giving me the ick, frankly, but they seem to really enjoy each other. I did know for India and Akena that they had another shoe shop for Akena. They want to point out that he's now wearing Burks, apparently. At least that's what the editors <laughs> wanted to point out. And I was like, okay, I see how the, what this is. The good news or the exciting news for Paige and Afia is even though they are single, we have a bombshell entering the... <laughs> Woo! I can't say it without hearing Laura Whitmore's announcer voice. Our bombshell this week is Jacques. Or, okay, sorry. I'm going to say that again. Our bombshell this week is Jax. Oh, <laughs> okay. But like in my notes, every time I see his name, I keep saying Joff because why is his name Jax? Like someone needs to explain that to me. Wait, it's not Jax? No, if you listen to the, the way they pronounce his name, they pronounce it Jax, like with an S, oh. as opposed to just Jacques, which is how it's spelled. Like it's a French name. I'm so confused by it. But he's a rugby player from Cumbria. And apparently everyone loves his smile. I guess just kind of some initial questions for you, Jenny, based on his intro package. Would your head turn? I'm I'm not sure because the one thing I did know about him was he is a very intimidating level of hot. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's he's kind of crossed that to I like can't really like describe it. But do you know what I mean? It's interesting because I know what you mean, and I felt it before about people, but I don't feel it for him. I wouldn't put him in the intimidating hot category, even though he's objectively probably hotter than anyone I've seen in real life. I think he just gives off kind of golden retriever energy, and so I don't necessarily feel that way. Like, it's just not that intimidating to me where, you know. Right. I mean, if we're just talking about the intro package, that is one thing I wanted to call out. I'm a little disappointed that all of these new people don't get longer intro packages. I want everyone to have a package like the initial 10 people got. It's really only a couple sentences, and I don't really get that much from him other than the fact that he says he's a rugby player, he's a cheeky chappy, and he's got his eyes on a couple people. 
Yeah, I, I agree. It makes sense in that the original Islanders, the main cast, you typically end up getting to know them better and they do end up spending more time on screen in general. However, there are times when people who show up early also leave very early and then you have a later arrival who ends up sticking it out the entire time. And it kind of yeah. sucks that you don't get a little bit more background on someone who's going to end up being effectively like a main character. We don't really get very much from him up front. However, Jax invites Afia and Paige to a breakfast date. They get two separate dates. I think what's nice about this is no one has to just sit quietly in the corner while he's on a date with the other person. That to me seems like a huge improvement. My assessment of his date with Afia was that there was pretty much no spark. However, yeah. what we do glean from this date is that he and Gemma used to date and he is actually Gemma's ex. And apparently it did not end very well. <laughs> yeah. Afia was really going in with the hard-hitting questions. I was like, damn. She asked, how was a breakup? Were you faithful? She went into full journalism. Yeah. No, just that you're her ex. Yeah. Is it enamicably or? Meanwhile, I would say with Paige, it seemed like maybe there was a bit of something more. Yeah. I didn't love the conversation. He said he doesn't want someone who just looks good. Because that's what he's gone for in the past. I was like, are you like shading Gemma to someone yeah. who's literally her friend in the villa? I don't yeah. know about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I was like, that's a little sus. <laughs> so everyone here looks good. So. Yeah, exactly. That being said, I think he might be one of the few guys who's come in and who hasn't specifically started his type with looks. That was something of note. <laughs> where he says he wants something more than looks. And yeah. I was like, oh, oh my more? Gosh. Substance? <laughs> Not a big butt? <laughs> Obviously, this stirs up a lot of trouble in the villa because it looks like Gemma might be a little bit conflicted. Maybe he has some lingering feelings. He says he's not trying to get her back, but then he keeps saying he still cares about her. Not sure what he's implying there. Finally, we have Luca sweating buckets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, I actually found it pretty funny. There was one specific theme that I was really entertained by where this was shortly after Jax had arrived in the evening when he told Andrew that his jumper still smells like Gemma and lets Andrew smell it. It was like, poor Andrew, like pretending he cares. Have a smell. Can you smell it? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> Luca was clearly the one that is like ultra peeved. Luca has actually grown on me a lot because I realized he just cannot keep it together. He cannot do anything besides wear his heart on his sleeve and yeah, like exactly. say exactly what he's thinking. And then you also see him making these faces during interviews or, you know, behind people's backs. You're really just, you're not hiding anything. Yeah, he really can't keep it together. <laughs> But but I love to see him having a crisis, actually. We just don't see that happen a lot on this show. Yeah, it's just like an overt, oh my God, he is so hot. He is so hot. Like, oh my God, type of thing. <laughs> I mean, he is really hot, but like, he's like the number one proponent of how hot this guy is, I think. <laughs> so uh, we know how Luca feels about the situation. Yeah. It's still pretty unclear to me what's going on in Gemma's head. We also see a game of Never Have I Ever. And the two things I wanted to note, it seems like Davide has maybe done literally everything. And then uh, the other thing I noted, Jack says, Never Have I Ever Fancied My Girlfriend's Mom. And he's literally just like grinning at Gemma the whole time. Ugh. Really weird. Yeah. Ugh. Is the only correct response, in Ugh. my opinion. I do think it's hilarious that Dami... I think someone asked, like, never have I ever, what, kissed someone of the same sex? Was that the question? And Donnie drank and said he's pretty proud of it. And I was like, yep, once again, you're really growing on me. Yeah, good for him. He's like, yeah, do it again. He's my mate. And I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing that happened this episode, in a random conversation, Gemma says, 
I would lick a horse's ass because it's clean. And her rationale is they only eat grass. <laughs> and I was like, on the one hand, this makes me like you more because it, it, it does seem like you're actually quite down to earth. But on the other hand, like, what on earth are you talking about? Like, that's not how it works. <laughs> she is really just wearing the I horse am girl. a horse dancer, horse girl <laughs> on her sleeve because I have seen a horse poop in my face and I do not want to be looking that. Ever. I was like, maybe yeah, her same. horse's asshole is clean because she cleans it, but they're not normally clean. Nothing could compel me to do it, having literally just been horseback riding like a week or two ago and watched a horse do its business in front of me. No, thank you. Yeah, no thanks. But you know what? Yeah. Different strokes for different folks. So in episode nine, we get a little bit more um, of action from Jax. Jax is grasping up a storm with Tasha. According to Andrew, he doesn't care. And I found this quite funny. Luca got really annoyed by this. And word ends up getting back to Tasha, who was then also annoyed. What did you think of that? I just thought that Andrew is clearly suffering from a classic case of toxic masculinity. He tells his bro, Luca, that he does care. But then in front of other guys, he's posturing that he doesn't care. And Luca, being the idiot that he is, is like, you told me you cared. I don't get it. <laughs> you keep telling yourself, man. All week, he's been telling me he likes her and like, bloody blah, blah, blah. And at the fire pit last night, he's told her how much he likes her. That's really interesting. I didn't read it that way at all, but as okay. we know, I might harbor a slight bias for Andrew. Oh, okay, I see. Well, because he said that he trusts Tasha, and I kind of think that jealousy is... I know that we romanticize it, but generally I find it pretty toxic, especially when these people have known each other for all of one week. And right. maybe like saying that you don't care is a mischaracterization of what he's saying. He probably could have said something like, I trust you instead of I don't care. Yes. However, I do think that people got a little bit carried away, like obsessing over him saying he doesn't care. It's just not that deep. I agree. I don't think it's that deep. I don't think it's that big of a deal. As Andrew explained it to Tasha when they were chatting, which was, I don't care that you're talking to him right now necessarily because I recognize that's a part of the process, but I would care more if you express interest in continuing to chat with him right i also just thought that tasha's irritation feels maybe a little bit misplaced considering i don't think that she has expressed the most interest in andrew throughout this entire time and she seemed pretty open to Jax as well and so it just felt kind of like are you actually annoyed or are you annoyed because other people are getting annoyed on your behalf i don't know i feel like i don't know much about obviously any of these people but i feel like at least there has been some expression on many of the girls' side that regardless of what they even feel towards the guy necessarily, they want to feel like they're being grafted, as they so say. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so moving right along, a couple other updates that, frankly, I didn't find super up interesting. Yeah. Akena and India finally kiss. I got nothing out of it. Dami and Amber go on a tennis date. It was kind of cute, but I just, I don't really know if I feel the connection there. And we also get a first kiss between Gemma and poor, poor Luca. He finally gets some kind of reassurance. The poor man, he's going through hell. <laughs> yeah, I, after watching these few episodes, I stand by my statement that Gemma is a race. She really is. I don't, I can't think of a better way to describe her. Uh, you were totally yeah. right on the money. It's just like a constant, like a flirty negging that she does all the time. Yeah, it's a refusal to give up her own position of power and to admit that she might like Luca and even a little bit because, God, that would be yeah. so embarrassing. Yeah, so embarrassing. Oh, my God. <laughs> what could be more embarrassing than indicating you might like the guy you're in a couple with? Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> <This is> crazy. <laughs> I feel like there's no one who could be in a better position to be in that kind of couple than Luca, who was just, he literally just doesn't care. He's completely abandoned any sense of pride, which yeah. I kind of love. I like love it, actually. I like the dynamic. 
He's totally latched on. I think, at least right now, I feel like they suit each other relatively well. This is like totally out of just random thoughts I had about this episode, which was I feel like Tasha's outfits always look so good. Like I noted specifically how pretty her blue dress is. She wears this awesome green dress. She's always putting out banging outfits. That's just my opinion in general. I agree. Tasha's outfits slap, especially because I think I've gotten pretty desensitized to the outfits I see on the show. They kind of all tend to exist in a similar genre. And it's not even that Tasha wears clothes that don't seem to belong to this kind of style of Love Island villa style. I think we'd call it that. But for some reason, they do stand out. So I would agree with that assessment. Finally, the last like big plot point of episode nine Jax finally makes his choice, and we know that one girl is going to get dumped from the island, so he chooses Paige, meaning that Afia, unfortunately, has to go home. It is very expected. I always watch some shakeups. I didn't realize he could only choose between, like, the two girls, but it makes sense that he chose Paige. Overall, though, after the episode, in terms of my more formed impressions of Jax, oh, sorry, Jax, is that... (laughs) This is going to be an ongoing problem. It really is, because it's literally not spelled like that for Jax, is that he seems... I'm definitely getting more of the Golden Retriever energy, and overall, he seems like a pretty nice guy, and I truly have no complaints about him, and you're right, I don't think I would actually find him that intimidating. Yep. Uh, moving on to episode 10, which picks up right where we left off. This is nighttime after Afia has left. Luca is giving Gemma kind of a back massage but it's more of like playfully like rubbing slash shaking her shoulders a little bit and i guess oh Gemma must be annoyed because she said stop oh it god. Jax." <laughs> oh god and the look on luca's face when this happens i felt so bad he was scandalized mortified he died like three times in a single second and luca pretty much just storms off Gemma is like laughing a little, but also feels really guilty. I think in a stroke of extreme unluckiness, Gemma goes into the villa to the dressing area and Jax is the first person to go up to comfort her. And he actually tells her to apologize, which I thought was very mature and big of him. But I think Luca is realizing that they're together and doesn't know what's happening. So that makes it a little bit awkward, but they do make up and... All seems well. Well, this was the first one I noted. I was, wow, this is an actually like potentially stressful fight that could happen. But the other thing I noted was the resolution was it just kind of like happened when they were talking. Luca said something along the lines of, I don't know what you two are doing there. And then she responded, I'm just apologizing. I'm just telling you I'm sorry. But like, you take it or leave it kind of very more aggressively. And then he just was like, sit down. Like, can you please sit down? And then it's fine. There's nothing more to it. Why are you getting it. worked up? I'm not getting worked you up, are. but don't Stop piss being me silly. off. Sit down. No, but I'm Stop like... Being silly. Sit down. What I like about their relationship is, even though they've had a couple of small arguments, I feel like it always ends in them kind of laughing about it which Mm -hmm. to me feels relatively healthy. I don't know how that might change if Jack stays in there and the dynamic changes over time. But at least so far, it's not necessarily that I think the conflicts are that healthy because it doesn't seem like the communication is as clear as it necessarily could be. And I feel like Gemma is pretty stubborn about really apologizing. But they do kind of end up just laughing, which it's a cute way to end a fight. It is a cute way to end the fight, maybe not necessarily in like the specific case, because it is truly just an accident. I was like in a real fight. I'm someone who kind of holds on for several days more. Let's just put it that way. So, yeah, the other updates of this episode, the hideaway is open for the very first time. The Islanders decide to send Andrew and Tasha and they seem to have pretty good time. What do you think about your first interaction with the hideaway? I had two main thoughts. One, the hideaway is so ugly. I cannot get over it. I shouldn't have expected anything more than that. But I was like, who decorated this place? And then the other thing I noted was, can you believe the people who have to edit through this footage? Man, that's a job, I guess. Let's put it that way. 
Other than that, I didn't really know anything other than the fact that I guess it's nice that they have at least a single space where they can finally have alone time because unfortunately they live at some sort of sleepaway camp style. So it's always funny to me because I just know that if that were me, I'd be like, okay, this is our one chance to get a properly good night of sleep. You can leave over there. I'm going to lay right here. Close your eyes immediately. <laughs> I actually did know while watching that they did comment on someone snoring. So I was like, oh, my comment from previously does not apply, which was I kind of thought they only went in there if they thought they were a quiet sleeper. I'm just thinking how sleep deprived I would be at this point. I suppose you're not doing a ton over the course of the day besides kind of laying out. So maybe you're not actually that tired and you can get some shut eye during the day. But I would truly be at my wit's end with the horrible quality of sleep at night. Well, obviously, people are not taking the opportunity in a hideaway to just sleep in corners. <laughs> yeah, we're beginning to uh, see why I would be a very poor fit for this show. I think most people would be poor fits for the show, to be super honest. So the next morning, all of the guys bring all the girls their kind of morning beverage. But Efton Sue is the only one not to receive one because Davide has not delivered her a coffee or a tea. And understandably, she's very upset by this. She ends up crying. What do we think about this? Well, it's hard for me to say because I find the expectations here very regressive. And I don't even like that that's kind of an expectation in the first place. But that being said, the fact that she's the standout person that didn't receive the coffee, I can see why that would make her feel bad. I am kind of with Ekansu at this point where it really doesn't seem like uh, Davi Day is that into her. But I also acknowledge that Davi Day himself just seems very robotic and it doesn't seem like he's that into anyone. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with the bringing of beverages tradition. It, it is kind of like a Love Island tradition that mm. the, the guys in the couple bring a beverage up. And to me, I mean, perhaps it's progressive, but it doesn't feel that way because you also get plenty of scenes of like, you know, the women cooking and stuff like that. So it feels pretty equal to me. I'm not even sure if that making the drinks really makes up for anything. I didn't realize it's like a Love Island tradition or anything. So at least from my watching it for the first time, I was just thinking, why do all the girls just expect their drinks to be delivered to them by these people they've only known for a week? But I guess if it's a tradition, it's a tradition. I don't think that every Love Island tradition necessarily needs to be observed. And I think the traditions have kind of developed over time. However, I do think that just as a matter of being sensitive to other people's feelings, if you see all the guys making a drink for their counterpart in their couple, yeah. like, doesn't it occur to you that like, huh, like maybe I should do that too, or Ethan Sue is going to feel left out. In other news, the boys have a classic challenge competing to be sexiest. They're trying to be sexy mechanics. And of course, all boys stuff their briefs. Donnie wins in this challenge. Good for him. I don't think any award is issued. So uh, yeah, it's just for the glory of it, huh? Bro, what kind of challenge is this? I found the challenges really silly when I first started watching the show because there seemed to be no real stakes. But really, like the challenges are just there to kind of stir the pot sometimes and then mostly to get people, I think, a little bit more comfortable with each other. And also they're just right. funny. Oh, one thing I did know was the guys look so good in those mechanic suits. Oh, my God. <laughs> better than, in my opinion, I think they look better than how they do usually in their swim, swim trunks. So there you go. Now I guess you know more about what I like. Well, there wasn't a, there was nary a croc in sight. And that brings us to our next bombshell being introduced. So we have joining us Remy, who is a 22-year-old model. And uh, Jay, who is a 28-year-old financial manager. Yay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Jay is not here for seasonal boyfriends. And I immediately <laughs> noted he and Ekansu are destined to be together. Do you think there's um, competition with any other lads in here? I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here for seasonal boyfriends. <laughs> Some initial questions. Jenny, would your head turn for either Remy or Jay? Like, right after when Renmi was talking about his type and how his type is always so just pretty girls with big butts <laughs> and soft lips, I was like, damn it, dude. <laughs> but 
But I think Remy is like particularly very attractive. I'm not into Jay's looks at all, to be honest. Yeah, I I would agree. I find Remy extremely hot. He is arguably the hottest guy in the villa. I think on top of that, he actually is intimidatingly attractive. Like, I would put him in that bucket. Because mm. he's cool. He's, like, a little too cool. Like, terrifyingly yeah. cool. You, what did get me down is the girls are talking a little bit about who they found more attractive. And it seems like most people are into Jay. And I'm just like, how can you be more into Jay when there's Remy right next to him? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I wonder if age is a part of it. Mm. Because yeah. Remy's 22. And Jay's oh, yeah. 28. So yeah. I don't think we necessarily think of, about that as much because we're literally just spectating. We're like, he's odd. Right, right, right. <laughs> but like if I were actually there, I would probably be thinking about that more. Gemma might be the only one who was actually younger than Remy. Yeah, I think he's definitely by far on the younger side. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Gemma's age, it did occur to me that Jax and... I recognize that the in UK the it's not eighteen or whatever that you're adult maybe it's sixteen or something I I'm not sure but I did note that Jax was dating Gemma when she was probably sixteen seventeen and I found that to be very pretty is that true they dated like a year and a half ago right yeah and she's nineteen now yeah so she would have been at most seventeen by the time the relationship ended so probably yeah i don't really want to think about this anymore yeah i'm just saying that is something that i noted and i was like ew come on dude yeah i'm cringing pretty hard right now i would agree with you about jay because very soon after we meet him i feel like he's just dishing out excessively spicy takes Yes. For someone who's just here, one yeah. of the first things he says to Jax is, you're a bit small for a rugby player. And I was like, why you got to say that? Like, you just got here. Oh, my here. God. You know? I know. That was so aggressive. It's not very nice. He says to Ekansu, Davide's all talk and no chat, bad presence. <sighs> and his arrogance can't be ignored. I think you can do better. The one thing I did know was, I love it. I'm so excited. Let's spice these couples up. I cannot wait. I love the drama. <laughs> yeah. Well, we get some insight because Jay has a conversation with Remy that I, it gave me a really bad taste in my mouth just regarding his intentions. He yeah. seems to be talking a little bit more strategy than I necessarily like. He says yeah. most of the girls are too afraid to take a risk, but he thinks there are at least three he can break up. He says Tasha wants out of that relationship and we just have to properly graft her. And then I think Remy mentions that he's really interested in India. And Jay says, I'm not saying that's a bad strategy to go all in on her, but if you shoot and miss, the other girls might not like it. Which, yeah. I don't know. I recognize that if you're in here as a bombshell and you know you're going to be vulnerable at some point, you probably do need to be thinking strategically on some level. Like, I get that, but it's too much, you know? Like, they're people. Yeah, no, I agree. I didn't think he was going to be so bland about this, at least on camera. <laughs> so yeah. keep this to yourself. It just definitely makes the whole thing seem like a game. And I acknowledge that it is a game to a certain extent. These people are out here. Yeah, they want to find love, but they also want to build their brand. They want to do whatever. And it's breaking the fourth wall a little bit. Yeah, let me maintain my delusion. Yeah, I, I like fourth wall breaking. I really do. And Jay is definitely a fourth wall breaker because you can tell he definitely watched the show before he came on. He's probably a fan. <laughs> I love the idea of Jay with his playbook at home writing things down. Yes. He's like, okay, so like, here are the girls I'm interested in. Oh, oh, what's that? What's that I see? Vulnerability in the relationship? Check, check. <laughs> We get our three-course meal dates, which I guess I should tell you is a Love Island classic. That is one thing I noted. I was like, what are they going to cook for them? Tasha made a whole damn pie. I was like, dude. Oh, banoffee pie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I actually think this was probably one of the best displays I've seen in some seasons. Most of the time you see, like, guys making avocado toast for the first time and, like, being incredibly proud of themselves. God, how do people survive? The bar is subterranean. 
Remy chooses India for his starter, Paige for his main, Ekin Sue for dessert. Jay goes with Amber for his starter, Ekin Sue for his main, and Tasha for dessert. I found the Remy dates pretty uninspiring. Right. It didn't seem like very much went down. I kind of thought maybe he and India had a bit of a connection. But besides that, it felt, again, too chilled. I can't read him at all. He is, as they say, grafting her a little bit. But I don't know if it's enough, honestly. Yeah, it's interesting given how weak her connection feels with Akena. And it still yeah. feels like maybe there's more there experience <laughs> with Remy. As for Jay's dates, honestly, he came across really oily to me. Yeah, I agree. Just greasy AF. <laughs> yeah. He said that uh, he picked Amber because she seemed like she had the highest emotional intelligence. And I was like, wow, you are full of shit. I just like, does he think that's a compliment? I mean, it is a compliment, but it comes at the cost of everyone else, kind of. Exactly. And as for his main with Ekin Sue. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm so cringy. Uh, they were eating pasta together, and I guess at some point, Ekinsu brings up the fact that she's always wanted to try the Lady and the Tramp maneuver, and Jay says, let's try it then. And so they do. Ekinsu, to her credit, does pull away before their lips actually touch, but I was screaming, and... I was screaming. Davide is watching from the terrace area upstairs, and he said something that I found really funny. He said, oh my days. Play with properly, not with me. <laughs> I was like, you had that just queued up, ready to go? I would never think to say that. That is one thing I wanted to know, which was, I get that why the producers put these dates in front of a space where everyone else can literally stare at them. But this is so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's weird being a fishbowl. They're the fishbowl. We're the viewers, but they're a fishbowl in the fishbowl. Yeah, there's a mini fishbowl in the fishbowl. Yeah. It's a fishbowlception. Yeah. yeah. Lastly, we see Tasha's mini date with Jay. And I also didn't love this. He kind of like insisted on her giving him an answer as to whether or not he'd be wasting his time trying to graft her. She does say he's not wasting his time. But again, I found it just cringy how intense he was about making her say it. He's definitely out there trying to find answers on how hard he should try to pursue a certain person. And I'm just like. That's what I'm saying. It feels less about him trying to pursue a connection and more about him figuring out, okay, what is the sweet spot? Who is the most vulnerable and likely to pick me? And then I'm just going to crack on. Tasha wants out of that relationship. You think? 100% mate. Facts. We're going to apply the pressure here. I was going to say, it's quite interesting how, how apparently Ekin Sue and her seasonal girlfriend, she's picked them and it's, it includes Gemma. That is interesting, isn't it? I get the sense from Gemma that she's actually pretty open-minded about friendships. Yeah. Actually, we noted last episode how there was a lot of, not a lot of interracial friendships or even anything happening. It was good to see this time. You saw not just more people talking to each other that you didn't see the last week. So, for example, you saw Tasha talking with Akena a lot. I actually noted somewhere that I think they might actually be friends. But, yeah, it was good to see some more, like, boy-girl friendships and cross-racial dynamics as well. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. We saw people maybe settle into what they were immediately most comfortable with early on. But with Liam yeah. leaving and new people coming in, I think the original people are closer and that's actually creating more of those dynamics it's comforting to see that people aren't just kind of sticking with their little facial subgroups that they had at the very beginning anyhow that brings us to episode 12 there's a conversation in which jay tells andrew that he seems more emotionally invested than tasha is in the relationship and i thought this was i mean annoying but so funny because I feel like a version of this conflict keeps happening where last week Andrew had told Tasha something and Tasha went back to Luca to confirm and that caused a oh, fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this time you have Andrew telling Tasha what Jay has told him and then Tasha confronting Jay. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this because I think he is just telling it like it is. It does seem pretty obvious that Andrew is more emotionally invested than Tasha is and 
frankly, Tasha's indignation is not necessarily fair because Jay is just saying it like it is. However, Jay is just like a meddler and it's really annoying. Yeah, Jay is quite annoying. But when he did bring it up, other people, I think Dami's, I, I do remember him saying was also, I agree. I agree with that statement. And I don't even know how I feel necessarily about Tasha and Andrew's relationship in general. Like, it does feel like Andrew is more invested. I, at this point, after it only being two weeks, I don't even know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Tasha definitely seems like someone who has her head turned a little bit more. But she did say after thinking about how it might be with Jay that she just doesn't foresee it working out. So... I don't know. Maybe she is just kind of working through, like, on her timeline of her feelings towards Andrew. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have a lot of question marks there because on the one hand, they seem like the strongest couple here. They're day one couple, and there's a lot more chemistry there than we see between Amber and Donnie, for example, or India and Akenna. However, we do see a lot of uncertainty on Tasha's side and a lot of interest in getting to know new boys. They come in. There's a fundamental difference between the two of them that Andrew has said at the past he's a relationship person and Tasha is Lily. Yeah. So perhaps that's just kind of how she is. I also would find it really believable if she talked to Jay and suddenly was like, nope, I'm going to stick with Andrew. I mean, after their meal date, she was saying how she felt really nervous and how her heart was beating fast and how she was really into it. But after kind of thinking it through, maybe it's not the best way to go. So. That's why I was thinking more like, oh, she's clearly someone who, again, like maybe just her head turns kind of often. But it seems like she's trying her best to pick the guy that best fits her. Maybe that is Andrew for now. I don't know. Yeah, that might be the case. It also might be that, I mean, I hate to imply this because I have, we have no way of knowing, but it also seems to me very possible that at this point she's like looking around and she's thinking... If we can just make it to the finish line, we're going to be the strongest couple. And right. so, like, a part of me can't help but wonder if it is just strategic and she isn't necessarily looking for the most authentic connection, but rather what she thinks is going to be best for her game. Yeah. I don't, at the same time, I do feel like if you hang out with someone enough to a certain extent, you can develop pretty passable, decent connection with anybody honestly well i mean i shouldn't say with anybody i, I take that point back <laughs> but you know what i mean it's more that there have been i think at least two maybe three occasions where tasha has basically said i need us to slow down i need us to cool off and she's very much entitled to say that stuff but i think at least for the time being like in the immediate future i'm going to be wondering for a while how real that relationship is and yeah, to what extent she still has depth. Well, in that case, that brings us to Deck and Sue again. I just want to note that Davide, out of nowhere, for no reason, you know, just being Davide brings Eck and Sue breakfast. I'm sure he has nothing on his mind besides just bringing her breakfast. Right, of course. Yeah, completely unmotivated by any ulterior motives. Gemma doesn't get orange juice from Luca this morning, and she's delighted. <laughs> was she actually delighted she said i'm actually really happy about that well very recently you sent me a tiktok which i just learned that the sixth love language i don't know if it's actually true but when i look up sixth love language it is there is this space distance yeah it's distance yeah. i find that very relatable so i'm completely in agreement with Jabba. no me too i just the way she says things is always exactly the same. Like, if I were Luca, I'd be very confused as to what message I'm supposed to be getting. Well, she says it in the confessional interview. So I don't think there's any reason for her to be sarcastic when she's basically alone. Right, right. But specifically with her interaction with Luca, if I were Luca, I'd be very confused. I was like, is this like a, I should have brought it or is this a, I shouldn't have brought it type of situation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, Luca is going to put up with a lot. Luca does make the point when she finally at one point confronts him about this and says, look, I don't want to be married off. Luca said, is this because none of the new boys have given you any attention? And honestly, it got me thinking. I was like, maybe that's literally it. 
no one asked her on a date and it like kind of freaked her out or hurt her ego a little bit. And her thought process was people must think that we're essentially a done deal. And I don't like that. I thought that too. But I was like, wow, that's like a true kind of attack there. It's an attack and it's also extremely perceptive. Yeah. 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 I kind of love that the way they fight because it just never really like kicks off into anything they have like the argument they like say their piece and then they're just like (laughs) okay that seems pretty healthy i don't know i don't know either because if i truly felt like what luca was saying and like someone said that to me i would be really bothered by it yeah maybe it's just true and so she wasn't bothered would i be more bothered if her true or more bothered if her untrue i don't know That's what I mean. Besides, like, the constant nagging, I actually find Gemma to be surprisingly mature for being only 19. Like, she doesn't seem to really take things personally or, like, let it sit with her for a very long time. She just seems to kind of get over things very quickly. That is a good quality, for sure. Unlike some of these other people that we will bring up very soon. (laughs) And this brings up to, in my opinion, funniest part of all this, which is Ek and Sue and Jay, things are really heating up between the two of them. And Ek and Sue decides that they should kiss, but in secret. And so she tries to signal to him to join her on the terrace. And instead of just walking up there, she makes him come up after her and then crawl on hands and knees so as not to be seen by anyone downstairs. Wait, stop. Don't let, them, don't let them see you. This is the first time, right? I know. It happens more than once. What do we think? Yeah. This is the part where I recognize that these are probably like the oldest, I would say. Not that age means anything, but I'm just saying these are like the oldest islanders and they're truly acting like they're 12. No, they're acting as if they like have an established object permanence. You wouldn't see Gemma pulling this shit. It just seems so stupid and childish. And very funny, because once they're in the terrace, they're supposed to, well, technically, Ek and Sue says, oh, we should go up to the terrace because it's more private, and that's where I want to chat. But then when they're actually up there, they're just like, whisper, 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 whisper. (laughs) Well, I think it's so funny because they're quite literally not fooling anyone. And at one point, Luca yells up to the terrace. Well, the first time was definitely way less obvious. I don't think anyone actually caught on. But the second time, Ekin Sue did this when everyone was looking at her. She literally motioned to Jay to come with her. And Jay was chatting with all these other guys. And then he made this motion to go up. So all the guys knew they were going together to the terrace. So I was like, at that point, what is the point? Well, to be fair, Davide didn't actually see this happen either time. So yes. if he was the only person she was trying to conceal it from, then I suppose it was effective in that regard. Yeah, but, but was it effective? Because everyone else saw them. <laughs> so yeah, suffice to say, Ekin Sue is not on my list of people to call if you're trying to run a covert operation. But it was made, it was really good TV. So Jay admits to Davide that he and Ekin Sue were on the terrace. And Davide basically calls Ekansu the fakest person he's ever met, that he's scared to be hurt by someone like her. They have a pretty explosive argument. I think because Ekansu feels really defensive, she doesn't like the implication that she's not being authentic or that she's lying, even though she most certainly did lie. (laughs) Yeah. But I gotta say, Jay, like, loose lips sink ships. He didn't have to tell him. I think it would have come out anyway, but... It might have been better for someone else to tell him or for Ekansu to tell him. I don't know. I, I just don't love that he's the source of the drama. Yeah. Well, literally right after he was talking with Remy at the time, he said something along the lines of, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And Remy was, yeah, you really shouldn't. Why did you do that? <laughs> Jay is always like, is it me? Am I the drama? <laughs> yeah. What? Me? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he tells Ekansu that he told Davide about the terrace and Ekansu ends up saying that that's okay. I guess she realized at this point that the truth was going to come out. But yeah, it got pretty intense. This was probably the first real, real fight where you don't just make up in two seconds. 
Davide stays upset with Ekansu for, I mean, until the end of week two, at least. I'm sure probably more. In terms of my opinions about this, I mean, I, I do agree from Ekansu's standpoint that Davide shouldn't have been so overtly, like, he did just yell at her and was very rude overall. But I, I'm actually, surprisingly, I can't believe I'm saying this, I'm kind of more on Davide's side. <laughs> They definitely have a communication problem, both of them. But Ekansu's pretty much problem with Davide is she doesn't feel like she's being grafted by him. And this new guy comes in, Jay, who's trying hard and she feels like an immediate connection with him. All of which I think is fine. If she just communicated that to Davide, I feel like a lot of this could have been avoided. But the fact that she decided to go sneak around, even though it wasn't sneaky at all, but... Davide, even though it's not truly being blindsided, he was like, well, why should I put in the effort to open up to you after three days of knowing each other when you're just going to do this to me is, I don't know, I think a pretty fair statement, but what do you think? Yeah, I think it's fundamentally a trust issue because you have, first of all, Davide pairing up with Ekansu. We have no way of knowing he actually wanted to couple up with her. At the time that he was picking, Luca had gotten to pick first and he picked Gemma. So we're never going to know if Davide would have picked Gemma had he gotten the chance to go first. So if I were Ekansu, first of all, I would already feel kind of insecure about being coupled up with him. And then on top of that, you have him going around telling people that she's trying too hard and overall not seeming that into the relationship up until the moment that Jay comes in. So. I think there's an argument to be had that, you know, she's fully within her rights to not feel that he's been putting in enough effort. And it seems like he suddenly a switch turned on when Jay came in. On the other hand, if you're Davide, it's also totally fair to be like, well, I've been here for like a handful of days. Like, I barely know this girl. And, you know, it takes time for me to actually warm up. I'm not going to pretend to be more into her than I am just so that she feels more secure in this couple. and. It's also very common that people don't necessarily realize how strong their feelings are until they see that person with someone else. So I think both sides, like, that's all understandable. However, the way that F and Sue goes about it, I think just kind of violates, like, the rules of engagement that have been established by Love Island in that, like, people in couples typically try to be respectful towards each other up until they're no longer in that couple. I really can't remember a time when someone in a couple has this brazenly basically kissed someone else who just came in in front of the other person, essentially in front of the other person. Yes. Yeah. What it's worth, it seems like the other Islanders are quite judging the the both of them, I would say. Oh, yeah, for sure. I do think on the subject of Ekansu and whether or not she's making girlfriends in the villa, She's really, like, looking for support from the other girls in the villa. And I feel like, on the one hand, I was actually surprised to see that she had people who she seems close to in the villa. But on the other hand, I I did notice that I don't think the closeness is as authentic as I momentarily thought. When you see Ekansu chat with all the other people, you see, for example, Ekana telling her, when Ekansu says, oh, Davide never even cared about me. Ekansu is like, of course he cares about you or he wouldn't have acted in this way. Andrew says, Ekansu, you've only been here for a week. Like, maybe you should, you should have given Davide some time. And India's out here being like, why is this chick crying? <laughs> like, oh, God. I think broadly the understanding in the villa is that this was kind of unnecessarily thoughtless of her. I think sneaking, not just sneaking around, but sneaking around so badly somehow makes it, like, outright disrespectful. Yeah, I agree. Well, moving right along. The next day, things seem to be a little bit calmer. We end up having a new bombshell joining us in the villa. Danica is a 21-year-old dancer from Leicester. The way that we actually meet Danica is it's the girl's turn to see who's the sexiest. And they get to demonstrate this in the Sex C Challenge, which, wow, the effort that went into this name 
It basically involves them showing up in the seashell and then doing a bunch of sexy dance moves in the water and then giving a guy of their choice a lap dance in the bed. We meet Danica because she's already there when they arrive at the challenge. And I guess because she's a dancer, she actually does a pretty good job. There are a couple of standouts in the challenge. Kasha ends up winning. But all the boys seem pretty happy with everyone's performance. Yeah. One thing I did note was I was sure at this point due to the, especially due to the mental health thing that was called out, they probably limit the amount of alcohol that they're allowed to drink. I can only assume. But this is the first time I think it was acknowledged that Amber said that she was completely sober during this. (laughs) And I was thinking, oh my God, I would die. I would be dead. I was so impressed with all these people if they're doing this sober. It's definitely impressive. My understanding is that they're only ever drinking at night during the party events. Uh, And even then, I don't think they're drinking very much. Yeah. I mean, as we saw with uh, Love is Blind, limiting the amount of alcohol might be best in terms of people's perception of you from television. Yeah. Also, can you just imagine day drinking for eight weeks straight? I think they died. Yeah, I would feel terrible. But also the fact that they're doing some of this with no substances at all, I would also feel terrible. We get back to the villa and Danica reveals that her type is Luca or Jax. And we get almost no time with Danica before she actually has to decide who she's going to couple up with. And she's allowed to go first. And that's where we end. We didn't ask what we thought about Danica, but to be honest, I don't actually have any opinions because there was barely any package. We spent at most a minute with her on screen. Oh, I have absolutely no opinion about her. Like everyone says, she's a good looking girl. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I got too. She seems a little bit more aggressive, but not as aggressive as Ek and Sue. I did note a couple things after the sexy challenge. I, I noted that Ek and Sue was being a little bit of a hypocrite, calling out Danica for chatting with all the boys with her ass out. It was so hypocritical. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, one of the girls points out that she would do the same thing. The fact that Ekansu would do that and then proceed to, for example, call some other girl out for doing exactly what she did as quote-unquote slutty behavior is, I don't know, it gives me internalized misogyny. Oh, absolutely. I did harbor some hope that Ekansu wouldn't feel that way, and it turns out she does, and I actually think probably the person who seems the most reasonable out of everyone so far has been Gemma. In general... When new girls come in, I feel like, and perhaps this is because Gemma is just extremely secure in her relationship. <laughs> I mean, she has every right to be. Fair enough. But, you know, we have Ekansu who is saying up front that she only dates men who are older than her and that Jay is the only man who's older than her. And then she, right. she's like so upset when Danica says she also wants to date a guy older than her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well. I actually did think Ekansu and Jay might actually make a good pair. But there was one thing that Ekansu said that made me slightly reconsider. I don't remember if it was necessarily in the fight or something. But she said something along the lines of, well, he just comes in and he gives me attention. And I'm just looking for the love of my life. And I was like, what the? I don't know if it's even worth reading that far into it. Because I don't think people are choosing their words with that much care. Right. It just it just made me seem like she's just out there looking for some guy who's going to give her attention and that is equated to the love of her life. And that made me kind of sad that she even thought that. Just another few things to mention. This is a recurring thing every season. I was curious when it was going to come in. Usually we have conversations between the boys and the girls about what went down in the middle of the night. And it's usually talked about in extremely thinly veiled metaphors. The choice metaphor for the boys this season is science, which I guess because Donnie's leading it. And the girls have chosen to talk about building their beauty salons, which weird choice, but they're pretty clever about it. So I can't even be mad at it. I'm curious, Jenny, what you think about this. Yeah, the the girls one, totally fine. The guys one is just, I, this is kind of going back to 
my opinion on Remy, where everyone is talking about the metaphors with the beakers, with the Bunsen burners or whatever. And Remy's like, I don't get it. What is a flask? <laughs> and then I think it was, I think it was, I think it was Jax, which is like, what do you think a flask is, a Remy? <laughs> I was like, oh, this poor dude. Yeah, there was definitely some struggling. I do have to say, Remy's poor performance in his own rapping and the fact that he can't catch on to these very blatant metaphors does knock him down a peg. I don't want to say that coming across as like a sapiosexual or whatever, but that's just my true honest opinion. Well, how does it compare to the other seasons? You know, I can't actually quite remember what has been said in the past. I think the one that I remember most recently was I think the girls were comparing it to degrees. And so it would be like, oh, I'm still revising or like, I think I like at one point, I think they had a graduation ceremony and that was, in my <laughs> opinion, hilarious. I actually I can't think of metaphors that the guys have used in the past at the moment, but suffice to say that maybe they've just been better at it than the science one. Maybe the science one is too uh, niche somehow. Yeah, Remy clearly needs a refresher because in terms of the pipette conversation, there was a solid like four guys chiming in about their pipettes. I was like, okay, that's lovely. You know, you guys know what pipettes are, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. My pipette is full to the fucking brim. <laughs> and anything that touches it, my pipette will explode. <laughs> there is definitely one year where they were talking about like having breakfast and they use like different food words for certain things. Maybe this is just like a British culture thing. I just feel like they they prioritize, as they say, bents a little more. Oh, the 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 banter, the cheeky banter. Yeah, they prioritize the cheeky banter a little more. And I do feel like, in general, they have demonstrated quite an ability to tell these kind of language jokes at a bare minimum. I would agree. I think. There's more of an effort to be funny in general on this show than other reality dating TV shows that I've encountered. And I like that. It's not even necessarily like a ha-ha funny, but there's just kind of a bit more. Witticisms. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more. I guess to wrap things up for this week, I'm going to ask our final questions. So, Jenny... Um, now that we have a slightly new crew in the villa, who would you graft and who would you pie? I don't think this is a secret for either of us. I don't want to speak for you, but in terms of who I would pie, it would be Jay, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it'd be Jay. <laughs> Jay and Ekansu, I think, are pretty up there. Yeah. Anyone you would try to graft besides Remy, besides Luca? Everyone's really grown on me, to be honest. Well, I shouldn't even say grown on me necessarily. I didn't. I feel like I didn't really have super negative opinions of anyone. Like, Akena has already risen the ranks from last time, which is week one. Yeah, I think at this point, I would probably say I like Luca a lot more than I did before. Probably Dami and Akena I find really funny. Yeah, and then I think we're on the same page about who we would pie. As for who should not recouple or who should, what are we thinking? In terms of not recoupling, I'm really hoping Amber and Dami are going to break up. And I'm really hoping India and Ikena are going to break up. Amber and Dami more so because we didn't talk about this much. But in the later episodes of week two, it's kind of clear they have this miscommunication issue that I don't think they're going to be able to get over. And I think they're, especially in Amber's case, who's a bit more open about talking about it. It seems like she doesn't think they're going to get over it. So... Just break up. Yeah, I would agree with that. I guess it's not even worth addressing that uh, that Epinsu and Davide probably should not recouple ever. Oh, yeah. I forgot they're a couple already. <laughs> you know, I still am on the fence about Andrew and Tasha. I'm in agreement with you in ge generally about Dami and Amber. And I call them Indiana. <laughs> but as for who should couple up... I don't know. I, I don't even know who I would tell Danica to couple up with. Like, I don't necessarily see her with Davide. So. No, I know. That's why I can't believe they ended on such a cliffhanger. Because I was like, oh, my God, depending on who she picks, it could truly shake everything up. Like, what if she picked, like, Andrew? What if she picked Luca, you know? I kind of see something between Danica and Jax. But maybe that's mm. just because they both have names that, in my opinion, are pronounced incorrectly. 
know. I like really like Paige. She's so nice. And I like wanted to work out between her and Jax. They seem like they like each other enough. I don't know if it's enough to go the long run, but I just want Paige to be happy. You know, my my interest in Paige is starting to slip. She was like at the top of the heat for me early on, but I'm starting to get just like overall not very much from her. It feels a little bit bland and I'm not even super convinced of her and Jack and how much of a connection there is there. Yeah, I don't know. Overall, as you know, I'm really feeling Gemma these days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if that's necessarily fair because they spent way more time on Gemma and Luca than they did on Paige. That's fair. It is a kind of like squeaky wheel get the grease kind of situation. So if you're not producing drama, you're not getting very much camera time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fair. What do we think about the slang from this week? What was the strangest slang that you encountered? I tried so hard to, to pay attention to the slang, but I couldn't do it. The only one I, like, noticed, even, I even noticed was potentially slang, but I don't even know if it's slang or if it's just a metaphor, was when Paige said, it thrown a little bit of spanner in my wakes, and I had no idea what she's talking about. Okay, that's actually a pretty good one. So, oh, okay. Uh, I've, it's not actually clear to me if that's just UK slang. It's certainly not used very frequently in the US, but... I feel like you can probably infer what that means. It's like you had a plan, didn't end up going as planned because there was a spanner in your works. I think spanner is actually a, a car term. I'm not 100% yeah. sure. Spanner is chiefly British to mean wrench. So, yeah, it's exactly oh, is, what... Is that a saying, throwing a wrench in my plans? Yes, it is. So she pretty much said the British version of that. Oh, um, fascinating. Which, yeah, which is why afterwards she said something along the lines of, I need a man mechanic to fix whatever or <laughs> something along those lines. I just, slight tangent, I actually think I might use graft in my day-to-day because that is actually one slang I can't think of another word for and is very applicable in terms of life, you know? Like, there's no replacement for it. You've never used the phrase hitting on? No, no. I feel like grafting is different from hitting on. Grafting is like working really hard to like pursue. <laughs> Am I wrong? I guess. It's a, it's a little it's, different from hitting on, at least how I'm interpreting it. Yeah, I think hitting on is probably a little bit more casual, whereas grafting feels a little bit more intense and intentional, yes. perhaps. I am very excited to hear you use it in a context beyond the <laughs> Don't I would worry. love to hear you use it at work. <laughs> I'll be breaking it out. I mean, yeah. it's a little weird to use at work, but don't worry. You will, you will see me break it out eventually. You know what I think would make a great sign-off? Instead of best regards, you just go, crack on. Crack, crack on, on, Annie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So that brings us to our last segment of the episode, Bodice Grippers. What is gripping your bodice lately, Jenny? Specifically in regards to this episode, I noted they played an amazing, amazing jam, Earth, Wind, and Fire Fantasy. I know you might be familiar with September, but Fantasy is another hit, and it is so good. So give it a listen. I think Jenny already knows what I'm going to plug because I've been begging anyone who will listen to watch the show Undone. Their second season premiered a couple months ago, but I finally got around to watching it. The first season of the show was probably the best media I've consumed in my entire life, which is a crazy thing to say. As Jenny knows, I rarely cry. And if I do, it's usually <laughs> while consuming, you know, TV, a movie, or a book. And even then, it's usually, you know, like a single tier action situation. But when I watch this show, it's on Amazon Prime. This is not an ad for Amazon Prime, but that's just where you can watch it. I literally ugly cry. It's like a, it's like a convulsive racking sob. It would be embarrassing to watch with anyone else because I'm crying as if, I don't know when people cry this way, but it, it's, it's ridiculous. Essentially, the gist of the show, it's actually like an animated show. I think it works really well because the premise of the show is the main character she basically almost dies in a car accident. And after the car accident, she starts developing some really strange skills. 
I don't know. It's just a beautiful show. I would say it probably, after watching Fleabag and uh, Bojack Horseman end it, it, this was probably the only show I've watched that really felt like it tapped into like a similar feeling. It deals with existentialism, coming to terms with adulthood. It's not like a coming of age story. It's not like a Bildungsroman, which frankly, I'm like getting a little bit tired of like the whole like high school, college age main character. Yeah. It's kind of no, nice to have a protagonist who, first of all, is in her late 20s. And second of all, she's deaf. So I think it's also really good representation of a disabled person as a main character. Right. I do realize that we only get one bodice gripper. But speaking of existentialism, I recently watched Everything Everywhere All at Once. And that movie was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, everyone should watch it. Wait, did I tell you I finally watched it? <gasps> you did? What yeah. did you think? I mean, destroyed me. Yeah. Were you were you sobbing? I was sobbing. <laughs> Dude, I was crying. I was literally like, at one point, I finally got what you meant about like it hurting to cry so much because I'd already watched Undone. And then like this oh, on top of it, like my eyes were starting to kind of dry out. Literally, like first scene when they're karaoke together, mm -hmm. I started tearing up. Like, yeah. like that like family thing. But, you yeah. know, there's always that like there's that like parental tension and then like the existentialism. It was like too much for me. I just think when there is so little that is authentically portraying things that you have experienced in real life. Yes. And that, like you're constantly forced to like extend your em empathy so far just to connect with the content. Anything yes. that like even partially seems to capture it, I think it's just like it's too much. It's too much, man. It truly is. It truly is. It was it was too much for me. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us for our week two wrap up of Love Island. Stay safe, constant vigilance and crack on, I guess. Um, you can email us at kissingstrangerspodcast at gmail.com. And we also have TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. Kiss underscore strangers. We've been your hosts, Annie and Jenny, and this has been another episode of Kissing Strangers. Tune in next time for the latest developments in your favorite content. And until then, don't, don't be a stranger. stranger.